One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast. With a new location. It is a new location, and... I've lost track of the number, 17, 16, something like that. It's kind of a thing for us. Starring the icon, the folk hero, the how many eight-time Pro Bowler? Oh, geez. I, I will take that. I appreciate that. Nope, just three. Just three. Three-time Pro Bowler, John Kuhn. How are you? Great. How are you? I'll tell you what, all the renovations around these parts. I, okay, so we're at a new location. Everybody's wondering what's the new location. We're not at the stadium today. My house. We're at Jason. We're at Casa de la Wilde in the basement. But the ba- I mean, the basement is about as clean as the whole house is yeah. because of the renovations. But That's I like I like what you're doing. It's it's you got some nice stuff going on and and you kind of upgraded in the basement too. You got this new microphone, this new standstill mic. Yeah, this is you know what this is a direct result of the Coon podcast. Right really? Here. Because How is that? apparently I sound so much better when we do it from the WTMJ booth at Lambeau that they said we gotta get you a mic like we have yeah. in the WTMJ booth. There so you go. had I never done the podcast. You'd still with you, sound like nosy wildy. Well I like still, you got your nose shut. I don't know what it is about this microphone that makes me sound like I've got a real radio voice, but <laughs> it's amazing. Um you made was that it your here. Euchre voice? That was that was my uh stereotypical radio guy. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about the Packers. Um, so you made it here safe and sound. Yeah, boy. But I it was will, a struggle. Well, I, I don't understand. For as much snow as this state gets, why do we struggle driving in it so bad? Hey, we got half an inch. We got half an inch of snow, and it took me twice as long to get here. So are the people that you encounter on the roads overly cautious, or are they reckless, or uh, are you I encountering? Would, I would say they're overly cautious, but their over-cautiousness makes for really anxious driving and out-of-character moves. I mean, I saw, I literally saw somebody, you know, go to stop, start to slide, then gas it, and then turn, and I'm just, just let the anti-lock brakes work their magic and get you to a stop. Stop freaking. They're freaking out. Freaking out, man. Well, I'm glad you made it here safe and sound. Yeah, me too. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, And unfortunately for Packers fans, it is a loss in the NFC Championship Mm -hmm. game where we will start. Um, It was interesting listening to Matt LaFleur's press conference on Wednesday in which he talked a lot about whether or not the guys played with the normal energy or the intensity that they would normally Did you think have. it was a much more open Matt LaFleur than what we had seen throughout the course of the year? I thought it was a much more irritated Matt LaFleur. I just felt like he he touched on probably how he felt more than any other interview we got all year. I felt like that was, and maybe it's because the season's over and that's his last interview he's going to have to do for a while, so why not? You don't have to answer follow-up questions for the next umpteen weeks but i felt like he he laid it out there he actually told everybody what he was actually thinking so i you know i've done this for a really long time even uh, so long that it was before you know i was in like year 10 by the time you got here so Boy. Um, yeah. i got an early start um but i'm a little bit i'm always a little bit leery 
of talking about whether guys played hard or came out flat. Um, and so I, I guess I walked away from the NFC Championship game feeling like they didn't execute well, right? I mean, you get a three-and-out stop defensively to start the game, and that really was the last time you you look good defensively. Yeah. And then offensively, you know, and, and maybe if they go for it on fourth and one after they are stopped a yard short on third and three on the pass to Jamal Williams out in the left flat, maybe there's a different energy there. I don't know. But, you know, I always thought, and and tell me if I'm wrong, you played in the league forever, that – it's usually more about execution than about whether you want to be there or I mean it's the to to quote Paul Allen this is not Detroit man this is the Super Bowl that mm-hmm. we're talking yeah. about mm-hmm. so it was a little surprising to hear Matt LaFleur feel like and he must have seen it on film yeah uh to feel like guys weren't really giving it everything they had well i i will say this sometimes uh execution or um, slowness in execution can be misrepresented as a lack of effort. Let's say, let's say the game's moving faster than you've anticipated. They are clicking at a higher speed and executing at a far greater clip than what you are. It's it's not uncommon to see a guy's feet in mud while he's diagnosing a play that he shouldn't have to diagnose but it's something that he's not used to seeing he's not used to seeing the edge get captured so he's not sure as a safety do i fit in the c gap or do i or do i actually seal the edge do i actually shut the edge down and that's what can be misrepresented as a lack of effort i'm sure every single guy out there would have you know cut their right pinky finger off to to change the outcome of that game but they, they they did not play at the same speed as the 49ers. They did not play with the same physicality as the 49ers. And because of that, it looked like a lackluster effort for the majority of the game. So that's a great point, and that's why you're good at this. Because if you don't, you did not see coming what the 49ers are doing, then you're thinking about, oh, my God, what are they doing and how do I handle it? It's like, it's like when you get punched when a boxer gets punched he's you know the first time he takes one on the chin the first big run the first you know touchdown drive that draw play for their first touchdown was I, I felt like the Packers were borderline in shell shock at that point in time I was really happy so there was two times I thought oh boy don't let it slip and it was when Debo Samuel caught that pass broke a tackle, ran over Darnell Savage, and nearly kept his feet to run into the end zone. I was really happy to see on the screen play, either the next play or or a few plays later, Darnell Savage broke instantly, diagnosed it, made the tackle for a loss. That was fantastic. I said, okay, he's not worried about that receiver that just ran him over. He's he's focused on the next play. He's ready to go. I was excited. I said, the Packers, sign. Uh, Packers are here to play. But then they got that third and eight on the fringe of field goal range, and Kyle Shanahan, whether he thought this was going to break for a touchdown or he was playing for a field goal, ran that little draw play that boop, 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 out the gates, and Mostert being the track star that he is, just made everybody look slow because right, he's they that look like fast. They're standing still. Yeah, and I I do believe at that moment in time the defense was kind of like, oh no, oh, oh boy, you know, and and they 
they were hesitant from there on out because they they saw this guy now, hey, this guy can hit a home run on third and eight with a draw play from the 36-yard line. We better lock in now. We better be detailed. And sometimes that, that trying to focus and do everything just perfectly right the way you were coached to do it, you're going through the checklist in your head on each play. I got to get my hands here. I got to get my hips here. I got to. And because of that, that time you're diagnosing everything to be perfect, it's taking away from your just bursting and playing. And that's what I think happened. I think the Packers got shell shocked and could never get out of that groove. You you've talked about that before, and and lots of players have about. You know, you can't play fast when you're thinking. You cannot. You, it's got to be instinctual. This has got to be muscle memory. It's learned. It's already done. When the coach says capture the edge, you can't think, oh, in this play, I really have to get the guy. I got to capture the edge. I got to keep my right shoulder free. It's got to be, boom, the edge is captured just because it is. And, and that's the way That's the way it's got to go down. And you just saw, and, and there was a few instances where they just didn't play as a team. And every time, you know, somebody backdoored somebody, it left a gaping hole, and there went the running back again. And when the, let me tell you, when the running back is running through the hole, when he is at the line of scrimmage at full speed, the secondary has very little chance. The, you know, the, the linebackers, the second, when that guy is hitting the hole at full speed already, it's trouble. It is very, very troubling. So when you watch the game unfold, what did the 49ers do to be so dominant? On Because it's true, the Packers did not set the edge for most of the game. Yeah, basically. well, so just out of the gate, I thought both coordinators were good at scheming the other guys based off the last game. Um you know, we captured the edge a few times on them early on with Aaron Jones in the run game. We we, we couldn't keep doing that because we fell into a hole. Um, but what I thought Kyle Shanahan did was a really great job. Of, we thought there's no way they're going to run outside zone. They're, they're going to have to run gap scheme against us. We came out in that bare front, which is one-on-ones. Right. The, the, both guards are covered. The center's covered. You got a backup center. We're going to take advantage of that. We're going to shut the edge down with our all-star outside linebackers in the Smith brothers. And, you know, we, we thought we were going to stop their outside zone. And I wouldn't say they crushed us right away with it, but as soon as they went to their gap scheme and started hitting us downhill with a couple pulling guards or a pulling tackle that it, it was like, it was like the world got flipped upside down. It was, we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know if it was outside zone inside a quick toss, uh, a couple reverses hit us for 20 yards a pop. I mean, it was, Kyle Shanahan, or Kyle Shanahan, what he did in that ball game, the way that he felt the flow of the game, and being able to rotate between, you know, gap scheme runs and outside zone runs and pattern runs. I mean, he really had the Packers on their heels for the majority of the game. He also had a call about eight passes. Well, that's why I'm only talking about the run game. I haven't brought up the pass game yet because he hadn't had to do it. He didn't need to. And it's such a great way to neutralize a really good pass rush. Yeah. They never get to rush the yeah. answer because you never threw it. Mm-hmm. Um, is Kyle Shanahan at this point, and I, I'm not putting him in Belichick's class or Lombardi or anything like that. Well, he's in a different class than Belichick. 
Belichick, Belichick's more defensive oriented. Right. You know, so this is a different. This is a. But is di- he on that plane? Does he look like he's on that plane offensively? I think he is. He looks like he's. The I think he is. About checkers and, and checks. And, and, and I think he is. And honestly, we'll just go back for their head-to-head matchup in the Super Bowl. He had Belichick on the ropes and just couldn't finish the deal. And some would say he didn't finish the deal because he never took his foot off the gas. He just pressed too long. Well, he took his foot off the gas in the divisional round against Minnesota. Once uh, Garoppolo threw that interception, they're not throwing anymore. Right. He didn't even put his foot on the throwing gas in our game. He said, "If I'm going to be allowed, to, I'm just going to run the whole game," and that's all he did. But he, but he's the type of guy that can scheme up a run game that he doesn't need. You know that that can be that explosive. So he is the. He's what Matt Lafleur wants to be at when he's in year two, year three of this offense. Yeah, yeah, and 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 let's keep in mind, Kyle's been doing this for a while now, ten right. years calling plays. You know, Matt, Matt, th- this was only Matt's second year calling the plays. You, when you call plays for ten years, just like when you play football for ten years, you can stand there in a play, see a defense that you weren't anticipating, and personally know how to adjust because right. you have seen that happen before. But you need that you need that Rolodex of history, right. of experience to be able to fall back on. I remember when the Ravens ran that against us in 2015. I'm going to go to this play. Right. And that's the benefit of experience. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur's not there yet, but... They certainly had their fair share of success offensively, and it was interesting to hear him talk about all the things that they haven't really gotten to yet, right? I mean, mm-hmm. both Rodgers after the game and LaFleur in a season-ending press conference mentioned their up-tempo package, which they never really got to. Like, there's only a finite amount of time that you have to get as much of your offense in in year one, and we heard Nathaniel Hackett say that you know most offensive minds look at I want to be really rolling by year three. <clears throat> and they got a good start on year one, and they've got a lot of work to do going forward. Boy, it's, it's, hard. it's hard to wait, though. You know, right. it's really a, you have to find a way to be patient to get there to that year three where your offense can be rolling. Because it's just, it's just hard to wait. Because when you have as much success as you did this year and you had the opportunity of the NFC Championship game, you want to be able to, to implement the things you can. I mean, you, you look back, they started installing the offense in April, well, April right. middle of April. Why, why couldn't they? Why couldn't they have the fast tempo stuff ready? Why? Why? Why couldn't that get in there? And and I'm sure they'll go back and they'll look at the season and they'll say, well. Maybe we could have corrected it here. Maybe we could have cut verbiage here. Maybe we could have, you know, spent five more minutes at practice every day here and doing this. And those are the tough decisions that he's going to have to make going into year two. How do I adjust this program? How do I adjust this install? Because guess what? There's going to be at least 10 new guys on this team next year and maybe 10 on offense. So you're going to have to teach. That's going to be year one for them. Right. And if you're going to want to go to the next level with, you know, Aaron and Devonte and Bakhtiari, then these other guys they're going to have to come along. So you're going to have to find a way to be able to practice all of it and bring the young guys along with you. A couple of other things um, before we get to the Pro Bowl, um, and we'll save our 
kind of big picture, how do you view the season for a later episode since um, we've got plenty of episodes left. I'm going as long as you tell me we're doing it. Okay. So I don't know what your plans are, but it's going to be May, and we're going to be, hey, how about that Indy 500? Um, first of all, what do, how do players, and I, I've always found this interesting, and look, God bless Packers fans and fans of every team because they allow us to do what we're doing now, right? I mean, your career ends as a player, and you could have gone into whatever you wanted to do. You've chosen to kind of join our ranks a little bit, and if fans weren't as passionate as they are about it, people wouldn't be downloading the podcast. Yeah. People wouldn't be listening. You know, you're going to fill in for Tausch as our cousin sub this week. People wouldn't listen because they care about the Packers so deeply, and, and I appreciate that. Here's my butt that's coming. But sometimes I feel like... Don't lose our viewers. Exactly. We got 17 people downloading this thing. <laughs> if we go to 15 because you throw a butt out there, I'm going to be ticked. So here's the butt. Um, but... It sometimes feels like to fans that they care more than players do because after a loss like that, you guys know how to deal with it, right? You, you compartmentalize, mm -hmm. and then you move on with your life because mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. You're, you're pissed that you played poorly. Don't worry, Packers fans. They're mad that they played that way. But you compartmentalize it, and then you move on with your life. And that's in season. That's at the end of seasons. You endured the game in Seattle, which maybe you haven't compartmentalized as well as other losses during your career. But you guys know how to deal with it. And I think for fans, in interacting with them, they don't have that skill that you guys develop because you have another game the following week or you have other stuff to get. What is it like for a player to process a loss like this where you are on the cusp of the Super Bowl, and now your season's over, yeah. you cleaned out your locker, and you're gone. So let me just touch on the fan aspect first. The fan aspect struggles because they only focus on what we do, we do, we do, we do. You know, and, and it's what did we do right and what did we do wrong. And, you know, the reason why football's the greatest game ever is because both sides are getting paid a ton of money. Both sides are extremely talented. And it usually is thin margins for, for success or victory. And we recognize that the other side we, – we've just recognized there's, there's all kinds of variables that go into play for each and every single game. And the fans just – they're so they're so eager to fix the the problems, and they they I don't know how, if they appreciate the good stuff as much as they should or or not. But there sometimes you just have you just you don't have that engine. You know you might have you might have a three series and a BMW and it looks great. But you just don't have the big engine, you know. There's a reason that car is only fifty right. grand instead of a hundred grand. So, and and you might not get there. Um, so I'd say for me on this side, it's a lot easier to process losses than what it was as a player, even though the fans have a harder time. And what okay. I mean by that is I have the players. I can see it from the player side without investing. So all week last week, I'm telling myself, what is the Packers script to win this football game? The week before, I said, Seattle, we have a better engine. Seattle, we have better wheels. We have, you know, better interior. We have everything better than Seattle. You know, they got this tricky quarterback, but as long as we don't self-inflict ourselves, we'll be good to go. But when I watched San Francisco, I said, oh, boy, 
that's a team right there. They got a big engine, and they got big tires, and they're ready to roll. So I knew there was a script for the Packers to have to play in this football game, and it what the Packers could have played a great game on Sunday and, and still, still lost. lost. Yep. So for for me, it's a lot easier to process. Now players don't think that when they are playing, they don't they don't they don't come to that fruition until after the game's over. So the whole week, it's we're gonna win. This is how we're gonna do it because you have to believe in your process. You can't sit here like me and say, oh, I acknowledge how great San Francisco is and this and that and the other thing, and we're going to have to play a perfect game and we could still possibly lose. Like, you can't do that as a player because you won't make it. So you have to believe all week that you're winning and you're going to win by this script and that's how you're going to do it. So you don't come to the fruition until the game's over and you're like, tag on. They are good. They are really good. And then you get hit with the, oh, man, I didn't realize this until this specific moment. But I, this is the last time I'm going to be in a locker room with all these guys. Right. And then you come in for exit interviews and meetings the next day, which is 12 hours later, and that's the last time you're going to see some of these teammates. Because, like I said, on the 53-man roster next year, there will be right. 10 new guys. So you're going, there's 10 guys that you just went 14 and 4 with that you won't ever see. That's the hardest part, and you don't think of that until the moment comes. And if you're successful like we were for years and you're going to the playoffs every year, you don't hit that realization until the moment it happens. Two more things. One from the game. Uh, I've seen some criticism on the ESPN uh, shouting argument shows and on social media of how Rodgers did not dive for the fumbles. I'm kind of curious why you call them the shouting shows. Because I you don't watch like them. them. Then why do you watch them? them? Because I see them on social media or oh, I okay. hear about them. I don't – it is not my – that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Like – you know, when you and I do this... or I when, thought you were giving up on social media for 2020. I, I thought that was I one really, of your resolutions. I continue to dial it back. Uh, <laughs> you do? That, that, that You're Kuhn, dialing it back? That Kuhn J30 account is really worth a follow. I'll <laughs> I don't tell you that. know uh, if you dial it back. What, uh, what, is, what is he supposed to do there? I mean, it is because I've tried to explain to folks a couple things. One, it certainly appears to me that Buckner picks it up almost immediately. The ball bounces forward to the other side of the line of scrimmage. And oh by the way there's a bunch of 300 pound guys in between him and the ball. All right, let me let me break this down real quick. There are plays in everybody's career, even my career, and I don't I don't even mean even, but my career as well where you have an out of body experience. You do something and you look back at yourself and you say, "What the bleep was I thinking? And in the moment, it makes perfect sense. And I'll give you a perfect example. We were playing in Baltimore. I was coming back from a hamstring. We had blocked the punt. It had rolled one or two yards past the line of scrimmage, which means it is no longer just a free-for-all. If we touch the ball, oh, it's boy. then it's then you know considered free game for them to pick up and recover and get a first down. And I tried to bend down to get this ball and make a play because all I wanted to do was make a play and I wasn't using my brain. I was I was just I was just in a moment okay. and it wasn't a good moment. Okay. And I bent down to pick up the ball. I felt my hamstring start to tweak. So I, I, I tried to pull back and as I pulled back I tipped the ball. I tried to fake it off like I didn't even touch the ball and I was like no I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. I touched it. The ref saw I touched it. They jumped on the ball. They got a first down. And I just, I couldn't, I, and I just had to stand there in shock for a moment like, 
what did I just do? And that's what I saw in Aaron. Okay. When he pulled out from center and the ball hit his hand and fell to the ground, I don't know if it was a bad snap by Corey, if it didn't hit Aaron's hand perfectly, or if Aaron pulled out too quick, or I don't know the specifics about the snap. But all I know is when that ball hit the ground, Aaron seemed to freeze for a second. And then when I saw his face, his face was a look of what just happened. It was like time stood still for him while the rest of the game was going. I don't don't think it's his lack for love of the game or his lack of competitiveness that he didn't try to jump on that football. I think it was – I think he was, again, shell-shocked. I think he was just – shocked standing in a moment almost like you're in the front of a room giving a speech naked in your dream and you're right. just like this has to be a dream and it didn't happen all year yeah so it was certainly I've never seen him I've never seen him drop a snap at practice and I've been at every practice this year I've never seen him drop a snap at practice I've never seen I don't know if I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers drop a snap ever and you see it a handful of times a year. Right. You know, like we saw it at Car- Carolina did it at Green Bay. But I can't tell you if another team even did it all year long against us. And you think about the last X number of years, they're in the shotgun a heck of a lot yeah. more than they have been. I mean, the the I'm not an analytics guy, but the odds of you botching a center quarterback exchange the more you do, there's more of a chance yeah. for it to be that one time out of a thousand. And or you make a great point there because I have seen snaps where they were slightly off in the gun over the years because he's been in gun more, and I've seen snaps that were bobbled or mishandled right. or you know to the side. And I've seen a lot more of those than I have ever seen Aaron Rodgers lose the snap at the at the line of scrimmage or Lucas Patrick doing a direct snap not designed to be a direct snap to Aaron Jones <laughs> yeah. in two, two in a row in uh, in Dallas. All right, last thing from, and then we'll do a, a season summary a little bit later down the road. Mike Patton is back. Mm-hmm. Um, for about three hours on Wednesday, there was some real reason to wonder because Matt LaFleur was asked specifically Man, about wasn't him. that something? Wasn't that something? Well, you know, I'm still in the evaluation phase. And, and that's what I mean by this. This was the most candid interview he had given to, to you beat writers the entire year. It was, it was unbelievable, um, sort of the information he was giving out. Now, the way I interpret it after the few hours after was he, he wasn't necessarily saying, yeah, we're debating getting rid of him. And I right. think he was more along the lines of we are in the process of doing our coaching evaluation and once we do our coaching evaluation then those decisions will be addressed i don't think he ever in any way meant to imply that mike Pettin may or may not be back well it's a good lesson for him yeah frankly i mean because that's how it came on and especially when you couple it with all the stuff he said about not playing with urgency and the same energy and saying that we got out coached you start to put all those crumbs together and you got a pretty big cookie yeah that you're looking at going oh my gosh is he really gonna and obviously he had already decided, I would think, that Mike would be back because I can't imagine that they had their meeting and Mike said some magical phrase that he said, you know what, I'm going to give him another year. Yeah. I'm assuming he was planning on that anyway. What can this defense do now that – because remember, you just mentioned it, and it's a really good point, that every year you're going to get new players. Yep. But this year, 
Mike Patton, in year two of his scheme, mm-hmm. got a bunch of new starters mm-hmm. and got a new head coach who had different philosophies than the guy that hired him. Mm-hmm. So is there the potential with the improvement that they made this year, with the improved talent that they had, with the additions that they had, that this defense, which finished ninth in the NFL in scoring defense, 18th in total defense, can make another big jump and be a bigger factor than even it was this year? I think so. And I think the big point that you make is players. And, you know, we thought this was going to be the year or this was going to be the draft where we could go heavy on offense. I mean, at least we were hoping 2020 we could go heavy on offense, get some more weapons for Aaron, reload on the offensive line, you know, start getting a little bit of younger there. But as we look at it, we're going to need to, to restock some on defense as well. we we got to stop the big plays from happening. We can't allow the explosive plays the way that they are. To have the discrepancy between scoring and total goes to show you that they do a great job in the red zone and creating turnovers, but... That it also means if they don't do that good of a job in the red zone and creating turnovers, they are in trouble, and that's the problem. You'd like to be able to win a game where it's it, you don't need the turnover or you don't need the red zone stop. You're just you're just very formidable on defense, and teams struggle to even get yards on you. So they're they're going to need to beef up a couple spots, I think, on the defensive side, and uh, you know just continue to create depth on the defensive backfield because we saw how uh, how that plays out. He likes to use a lot of secondary players, right. a yep. lot of secondary players. So it does not hurt to continue to, to increase the pool of talent that you have on the back end. And, you know, I, I do. I, I think year three could be even better for Mike Patton. It is crazy, though. Once again, they lose a game where they didn't get any takeaways. Yeah. I mean, it is without question the formula for beating the Packers or to have a hope of beating them is don't turn the ball yeah, over at all. Protect, all the games they lost, they didn't the get takeaways. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's look ahead to the big Pro Bowl. Yeah. Which um, Now, you, you were selected to three. Did you play in all three? No. The first one, I got hurt in the divisional game against the Giants. Uh, tore up my knee pretty good, so I couldn't go. Which is so you didn't even get to go. No, once you're is, not playing, you have to which stay is home. the biggest kick in the you know what that you could ever have because once once you make a Pro Bowl, you know first of all they need to get rid of the Pro Bowl in Orlando, put it back in Hawaii. You know, players want to go to Hawaii, fans want to look at the players in Hawaii, they want to see the hulas and all that other stuff. Put it put it back in Hawaii. Everybody wanted to go to Disney World. Yeah, okay, kind of. Not really. <laughs> They're all wearing sweatshirts down there. They all have hoodies underneath yeah, it's like their like 35 shirt. degrees. It's, it's cold down there. They don't want to be there. They don't want to do that. They Send them to Hawaii. But anyways, I, I go back to this Pro Bowl was in Hawaii, and so as soon as you make it, you go, man, we are going to the Super Bowl. We are going to the Super Bowl. But if some reason we slip up, we're going to Hawaii. Right. You know? And then I... I tear up my knee and I can't and we lose the game so now I can't do either. I mean that was the worst that was the lowest of my career after wow. the 2011 season. Well yeah cuz you'd gone 15 and 1. You're not expecting that, yeah. to lose a divisional round yeah. game in the number 1 season. It, it was on it was on and that was the lowest I had been in my my entire career. But so the, then were the next two that you were selected to not in Hawaii, or did you get to go to Hawaii? One was in Hawaii, one okay. was in Arizona, and I go back to say, put it in Hawaii. <laughs> Arizona was terrible, man. It was, it, was, it was cold in Arizona, too, believe it or not. But 
the Pro Bowl is is a tremendous thing. It's a tremendous place, and I'm glad to see now guys are starting to go again. There was a time there, probably about 10, 15 years ago, where any guy that got voted in just passed on the Pro Bowl right. and just didn't even go. But I'm glad to see guys are going again, and I'm glad to see the mindset starting to switch a little bit. Um, I heard Vaughn Miller giving a speech, and he said, man, when I go to the Pro Bowl, I go to win that MVP trophy. I go to get that Cadillac Escalade. I'm going out there and I'm playing, and I'm glad to see that. Now, you don't need slobber-knocking shots to the head, right? but I promise you Vaughn Miller goes because he ejected me at the sideline one year in a Pro Bowl, and I about decapitated a cameraman, which was <laughs> which was pretty interesting. And then, of course, then it's, the tension started flying a little bit. The, the game's a, it's a unique game to play in. Because I can remember Elvis Doomerville, who played outside linebacker, but you play a 4-3 in the Pro Bowl, so he's actually stacked off the ball. He kept blitzing and rushing, which is a no-no. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. So he kept blitzing and kept sacking Andrew Luck. And I asked Andrew Luck, I said, hey, do you want me to stay in and block him next time? He goes, no, just get out. I'll try and hit somebody hot. Well, he hadn't done it the whole game. He had gotten sacked a couple times. So then once I said that, Joe Staley was playing tackle, and he turns back to me and he goes, yeah, but why don't you chip J.J. Watt on your way out? <laughs> so, so now I'm in a dilemma. Do I chip J.J. Watt or, or do I just free release? Because chips can hurt. You can catch people pretty vulnerable on, on a chip shot. And I kind of looked at him and I said, well, he's probably going to want to fight me if I chip him. And then the Pouncy brothers turned around and said, well, then we're going to fight then. So, I mean, that's the way. That's, it's, a, it's a unique game. Hey, one time I ran up the middle and I kind of gave a spin move. I'm not going, you know, I'm not just going to fall down like some right. of the running backs do. And I give like a spin move and I look around and all of a sudden everybody's just standing there. So I break loose. I ran for 32 yards. It was the longest rush of my career, and it was in the Pro Bowl. And guys are chasing me, and I'm like, do I try and run him over, or do I run away from him, or what am I doing here? And it was, it, it's just it's a unique, wild game to play in. But the week itself is spectacular. And I, 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 I know what every guy that goes down there is going through. He feels like he's a part of the, the real fraternity, the, the yeah, I made it fraternity. I belong with these guys fraternity, and that's a special feeling to have, to look at guys that you admire, you know, like the J.J. Watts, like the Tom Brady's, like the Aaron Rodgers, and you're right there alongside with them, and it's a special feeling to know that, hey, I'm, I'm considered in this class. So Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari were the two that were voted in Mm -hmm. from the Packers roster. Aaron Rodgers is at that phase in his career where there's always some sort of nagging injury Mm -hmm. that he claims is going to prevent him from... I'm pretty sure he would have played in the Super Bowl, not playing in the Pro Bowl. I'm going to tell you what. I bet you Aaron would play if there was more of an onus on competitiveness at that thing. You think so? Yeah. I don't think the game is competitive enough for him to play in it. I think that's why he doesn't play in the game, because he doesn't like the lackadaisical kind yeah. of laissez-faire mood that goes with the game. And if it was more competitive, I, I bet you he would play in it. So I, I think Bakhtiari is still going. Mm-hmm. He is. And then three guys have now been added as replacements. Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. who is going to his third Pro Bowl in a row now. Yep. Um, Zadarius Smith who was, quote, snubbed. Snubbed. And Kenny Clark. Yeah. Uh, who Those two have never been to it before. So yep. even though they're going as replacements, that's a big deal for it's them, It's a right? big deal for them, and I'm glad to see it because 
you know, sometimes you get guys who bail and, and other guys get in there and you're not quite. But these three guys, man, they, they, they deserve it. Like Devontae, he, he probably would have had – he probably would have been voted into the Pro Bowl had he not gotten hurt, had turf right. toe for four weeks, you know. He still had 70-some catches and, and near 1,000 yards. So, I mean, he still had a heck of a season in 12 games. And – Zadarius, we talk about. He led the league in pressures. Had twi- sometimes there's just not enough spots to go around. Right. He he definitely should have been in there. I don't know if I can officially say he's been snubbed, although he can wear the snub shirt. He can feel snubbed because he had good enough season. There just aren't enough spots to throw you in there. The, the, the other guys had great seasons too. And then Kenny Clark, we know what kind of player he is. And I think what's difficult about the defensive tackle position is when people watch it, you know, they, if you don't see Aaron Donald making 12 sacks from the interior lineman, you think, oh, you know. Yeah. But, but Kenny Clark is something now, and he he was second in the league in double teams. So that should tell you something right there about how other people feel about him as well. Right. Well, we will see. Are you going to watch the Pro Bowl? Probably not. <laughs> no, I'll watch it because we'll talk about it next week. So I'll, I'll so watch it. are you telling me now that I have to watch it? That's what you basically well, aren't we gonna break it gently down? said there. Aren't we going to break uh, it down? Yeah, I'll break down the film. Anything else that we didn't hit on today? No. It just the, the, the week of the Pro Bowl, again, is, is something magical. You, you, you would not believe uh, just everybody hanging out around a pool, you know, having beverages, uh, having good times, just some of the things that you hear and some of the things that you see. It's just your Eli Manning story. Oh yeah, the Eli Manning story where he he said he was going to buy everybody. Um, he was going to he was going to hold an open bar for seven minutes, but then decided, no, I'm just I'm going only going to buy the things that I want to buy. And you tried to get a sandwich out of it. I tried to I tried to put a, a shrimp wrap on there. Yeah. <laughs> But if you're having an open bar, man, take advantage. The guy puts his credit card down, get something to eat. Well, he's retiring. Now, I would listen. So. I was I so we were drinking enough. I needed I needed a foundation in there. <laughs> I needed to slow it down a little bit. At Eli Manning's expense. Well, we'll do it again next week. We will talk about the Pro Bowl. We'll preview the Super Bowl. Uh, and we will talk more about the Packers season as well. That's all ahead in next week's edition of the John Kuhn Podcast. Thanks for listening.